and welcome back to the Eurotrips football podcast. Juventus and Paul Pogba's comeback and who goes down in the Premier League. This and much more is being discussed on this today's episode. I'm your host Andy and I'm joined this time once again by just one guest and that guest is Ryan. Um, Ryan, how are you? Yeah, can't complain, mate. Yeah, I bet after the weekend just gone, I mean, the results the result you had on the Sunday certainly would, would certainly help things, I can imagine. Um, now, of the elephant in the room, it's only two of us once again. Um, Jonathan, once again, can't make it due to time difference, him being all the way in uh, California. Um, whereas Naeem, um, for a few weeks, may not be joining us um, due to personal reasons. He may not be joining us for a few weeks, but... I'll have him back, hopefully, um, as soon as possible. Uh, just because that isn't um, a family thing, it's more to do with his work. So, um, yeah, he should be back with us, hopefully, um, soon. And if you do a European one this week or next week, um, hopefully he'll be around for that as well. So, yeah, Naeem, if you are listening, we look forward to having you back soon. Um, I alluded to the talking points today. Um, of course, I did mention in last week's pod or week before that we were meant to be in Spain this weekend, just gone, but due to my own fault, lose my passport, sadly, um, we couldn't make it. Um, but from sounds like right, we didn't miss much, did we really? Looking at the scores from La Liga, it doesn't sound like we really missed too much in the games we were meant to go to. No, not particularly. Like I say, Real Madrid, they 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 won 3 1, uh, they came from behind, so that would have been maybe. A bit intriguing, but as we know, the Bernabeu's still going through a bit of uh, bit of work. They're nearly completed with this incredible uh, reconstruction of the stadium, but it's not quite done yet. So I'll be glad to to see it when it's fully done. And obviously, Valencia they got a crucial win towards you know that we know that they're down towards the bottom of the table. They need to start picking up points, but they did get a one 0 win. Um, I watched the game. It was it was quite boring to be honest with you. So, like I say, we didn't must uh, miss too much in that regards. No, I agree, and I think that you know we managed to get most of our things rearranged in terms of dates. We don't we don't have to worry about you know you didn't lose much money in that. So we'll be able to go and give you guys content once again um, for the channel when it comes to those times. Um, of course, we are still planning to go to Thailand for three weeks come the end of April. So we'll be hoping to bring you content, at least for that, if not, hopefully something before that, even if it, if it's in the UK. Um, we mentioned La Liga then, um, in terms of uh, La Liga, in terms of how the table stands. Um, amazingly, you know, the, the, bottom, the bottom is very tight. You know, it's, um, you know, I think, Elche are pretty much down. Um, and between Almero and 19th with 25 points, there's just three points separating them and 13th placed. Severe, so um, yeah, very tight at the bottom. And um, in terms of Bundesliga, with Jonathan's absence, um, it is now two points separating Bayern and Dortmund. Bayern might be just getting a slight lead on the rest of the teams, but you know that is still a long way left to go. Uh, but it appears that Union Berlin, uh, who are now seven points behind uh, behind the top position in the league, sounds like that short romance with a potential title win is sadly over and done with. Um, but we sort of mentioned uh, the relegation zone um, and that's where we go to our first talking point is the Premier League. Um, and my main talking point is really who's going down because I mentioned there being a tight um, tight sort of race at the bottom in La Liga. It's the exact same thing in the Premier League and if not, even more tighter. So from 20th place Southampton 
all in with 22 points all the way to 12th place Palace. There is just five points separating 12th and 20th. So, yeah, it, it really has been an exciting season in that sense. And, you know, really the, the performance of the week does come from Bournemouth, who you know, got a 1-0 win against Liverpool, which um, is even more of a shock considering the fact that they had put seven behind uh, against Man U uh, just a week before. And that, you know, that suddenly got me angry because, first of all, what is the point of beating Man U 7-0 if you can't then, you know, beat the team who's bottom of the league at the time, like it was with the most goals conceded? And I don't think it's a least goal scored, but it's not far off that. So I, I don't know how you can go from, from doing that, beating Man U to doing that. And, you know, it was a pretty, pretty shit performance, if I'm honest. Um, It was really bad. And, you know, it got me angry because it just, it just shows our season down to a T, you know, it's, um, you know, we have all these great results. We beat City 1-0 in Anfield in, um, I think it was October, and then a week later lost away to Forest, and it just same things happen again. The false dawn just keeps happening, and I keep I keep thinking this is the game that's going to turn our season around, and we could have gone top four, you know, if we'd won that game, and now, you know, it looks like that could be even harder of a task now with, you know, being five points six points behind Tottenham, with albeit with a game in hand, and we can still level them if we beat them in the end of April. But Newcastle, you know, they're two points clear of us, and they played a game less. So, you know, we have to really now rely on Newcastle and Tottenham dropping points. And, of course, Brighton are far off. They can go with leveling points with Tottenham if they win their games in hand, so they're not completely out of it. Same with Fulham and Brentford, who are eighth and ninth. So it's quite a tight race in that sort of Champions League and European spots as well. But... Yeah, for me, let's go back to um, the bottom now. I want to ask you, Ryan, out of, there's probably going to be likely one of uh, between 12th and 20th going down, three of them going down. Um, who would you say out of those teams? You've got Palace, Wolves, Forest, Everton, Leicester, West Ham, Bournemouth, Leeds, Southampton. Which one of those teams would you say, Ryan, would you, which one of the three teams, I, I should say, would you pick to um, to go down? Oh, it's an incredibly difficult question to answer, and it because I can't remember remember the last time we had such a close relegation battle. You know, I remember a fair few years ago there was there was one where quite a few teams could have gone down on the final day, and I'm hoping this is something similar. You know, if if we get to this stage on on game week thirty eight, where you know we've got four, five, six teams that could potentially go down or stay up, I think it'll be incredibly exciting. Um, I think Bournemouth will be one of them to go down. They, they've conceded uh, joint most goals in the league. I don't know, even though they got a win last week, I just don't think, I think the, the manager bounce that they've, that they've kind of had um, will, will wear off. And I think they'll get worn down towards the end of the season. I think Southampton will go down as well. Um, in terms of the other one, I mean, it'd be it'd be a major shock to see West Ham or Leicester go down. Um, you know, I'd I'd love to see Leicester go down for my own personal reasons, but in terms, of, I, I'm sure you'd love to see Everton go down as well. Oh, massively, massively, yeah. Um, I do think Forest will survive. I think Forest, Wolves and even Crystal Palace have got a bit too much about them to go down. Wolves starting to pick up a bit of form as well. So I don't think they're in trouble, to be honest with you. I think it's more from 15th onwards. 
where the problems could lie. West Ham would be a very interesting one because if they did go down, they've got a very talented squad, some top, top players, Declan Rice being one of them, you know, someone who's being linked with, um, you know, Arsenal and, and Chelsea, Manchester United. You know, they could look at these players at a very uh, cut-price bargain. So it'll be interesting to see who does. But yeah, I think my picks will be will be Southampton, Bournemouth, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say West Ham. Oh, okay, that is good. I mean, it's it does show. I mean, it is one of the best sort of fights to the bottom we could have, and we potentially, you know, I always I mentioned it in one of our episodes we had before where we did our best ever ever Premier League seasons, and you know, we I had 2011-12 as my best because you had on the final day Premier League title race top four and relegation all going to the final day. And of course, we all know what happened in the final minutes with the Aguero goal against QPR. And I think we're definitely on pace for a similar sort of end. I don't think we'll get anything as dramatic as that one. But you look at you know, Arsenal City, only five points between them. And if City beat Arsenal, it makes it two points. And that means we could get an incredibly tight final month. You know, I get to spend most of April, sorry, most of May with, with you and Naeem. And of course, being two Arsenal fans, Certainly be interesting to see. I'll be with you for the crunch time and that's going to be really exciting. Champions League places, you've got, I think, top three is guaranteed. But I think after that, you know, it's Newcastle, Tottenham, Liverpool, Brentford, Fulham, Brighton, all fight for top four. And even Chelsea could even, you know, come out of it with and still put up a fight if they get their form going. And they got another win, of course, on the weekend against Leicester. You know, uh, for me, the, the goal of the week came from um, Havertz in that game. That little dink over Danny Ward was brilliant. I think Jack Harrison's a close second. But you look at then relegation, which is mentioned as teams there, and I think it makes a very good last day. And looking at now at the final games of the season, on the final day, you know, you've got Arsenal against Wolves, which could be a you know, one team going for the league and one team trying to stay up in the same game. You know, you've got Brentford City again, uh, them two playing each other, uh, one team going potentially top four or at least European spots, and one team going for the league. You've got Palace Forest, two teams that could be involved. Everton Bournemouth on the last day, that could be a real um, six pointer of all six pointers. Leicester West Ham on the final day play each other. So I think we're set for a great final day and a great final month of the season. We are, I think we are set for maybe one of the best uh, ever Premier League seasons. So my take on this, my three teams to go down, I think Bournemouth is one. I don't think, even though they got the win against Sir, they looked very good. Um, and it was great seeing David Brooks back, which is my moment of the week after his counter battle. Seeing him back on the bench was brilliant. But I do think they'll go down. Um, I just think they'll have um, not enough in all areas. Um, but, you know, life is about being bold. You know, and I, I like making these bold predictions uh, with my next two. One, maybe not as much, um, Everton. Um, I think that even though Sean Dyche is there, um, I just don't think the squad is there. And I think the squad's been performing for I know they got the win on the weekend, just gone. Um, the early goal from Dwight McNeil, but I don't think they've really been that impressive since they, they beat Arsenal, so fair enough to them. And I think that Sean Dyche has proved certainly last season that he isn't invincible, he isn't a manager that is completely, you know, clear of any relegation worry. And I think that, you know, they're two just a point clear of, of Bournemouth and eighteenth. Um and, you know, potentially at least two, if not three, of these teams can leapfrog Everton who are in the bottom three right now with their games in hand. Certainly Bournemouth and Leeds could leapfrog them and Southampton, depending on goal difference. 
But my last one's going to shock you all. Now, I'm going to go for a team that hasn't won a game since December, only won one game since the restart, and their second-to-last win came, looking at now, all the way back in November 6th. So they've been struggling massively since the restart. You know, they were seeing certainly I didn't think would go down to start the season, but I think the form is not there. There's a risk they can sack their manager, and some things have proved recently that not every new manager can give you a new manager bounce. I'm going to go with my bold prediction for my 13 to go down, Crystal Palace, which is, I know it's a shock. They've got some great players in this team. You know, you've got the likes of Eze, you know, Elise, Zaha still there. But I just, I, there's something not right with Palace. I don't know what it is. Um, there's something not right. And I, I, I'm fully aware that I may well get my you know prediction completely wrong. And I, I'm most likely going to be proved wrong, but I want to be bold, and that's my bold prediction. I think Palace will be the third team to go down. Um, thoughts on that, Ryan? It might not be as bold as you say, to be honest with you, because an interesting stat that I saw watching the game against City or heard was that it was a third game in a row without a shot on target, which wow. is a massive worry. Um, that's where they've struggled for many years, Palace scoring goals. They haven't had proper goal scorer probably since only or Ben Teke maybe but it's arguable if he was a proper goal scorer then but um yeah Zaha hasn't 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 done enough this season Elise hasn't done near, anywhere near enough either Eze hasn't and you know they are they're, they're struggling and the name of the game is scoring goals at the end of the day you know picking up odd points and losing games here and there isn't going to isn't going to be enough, I don't think. So they, they're fully in that fight, and you know there aren't that many games left to go. I think they need to start finding their feet very quickly, and it would be a shame because it started so well for Patrick Vieira there as well. And um, you know I like him as a manager, but at the end of the day, you can only do so much with the players you have. So yeah, I don't, I don't think that's 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 too bold. I think that's a fair shout. Yeah, um, I think you know. I think could what happen. Um, just seeing now, um, all be coming from Daily Mail, but it's saying on the website here that Real Madrid make first contact with Jude Bellingham and meet up with the England star and his family in Dortmund as they ramp up efforts to challenge Liverpool for superstar summer signing. Now, I mean, for that happens, I'll be utterly gutted because you know we essentially put all our eggs in, in the Bellingham basket with not buying a midfielder last summer, waiting for the right guy. It seemed like from all the paper talk and all the, what from Henri was saying on CBS that he is going to go to Liverpool. But, you know, this is by even more reason why our loss was even more of a disappointing one because if we don't get top four, there's talk that he's not going to want to go to us without Champions League football. I was hoping that he could, he knew he would maybe even have a year off from Champions League um, sort of going with the project and playing in the clock. But, you know, Madrid are Madrid and they are the biggest club in the world for a reason, or at least the second, the second um, biggest club in the world. Um, so for me, I, I think it'd be a big blow if he weren't to get Bellingham. Yeah, I mean, from what from what I, I read actually not too long ago on the Athletic, um, they 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 reported. I'm not sure which journalist it was, but they reported that um, Champions League football is not being end all for for Bellingham because. Obviously, I believe he is a Liverpool fan anyway, or he grew up as one, and um, he's got a lot of admiration for, for Jurgen Klopp, according to this article. So, um, 
I still think that Liverpool are the favourites to get him. I can't for the life of me understand why Real Madrid wants to bring another midfielder in when you look at the the midfielders that they already have, especially you know, you take out you know Modric and Cruz who are, you know, getting on now anyway. But they've they've just invested a lot of money in, in Tushimeni and Camavinga. And then they've got Valverde, who, in my opinion, is one of the best midfielders in the world. So you've already got three midfielders for the future and present and two, you know, modern day greats. So I don't understand why they would now want to go and get Bellingham as well. It doesn't make any sense. And he's going to cost a fair whack as well, you know, minimum £100 million. And you'd imagine he's going to be on an extremely high wage as well. So... Real Madrid wouldn't make much sense to me. I personally feel it would be between Liverpool and, and Man City when it comes down to it. I think Man City will come into the race, especially if uh, if Gundogan leaves on a free transfer, which it seems like he will. So, yeah, I do. I do think he'll end up at Liverpool, though. Oh, I hope you're right, mate, because he would be, I think, the signing of all signings because for his age. Yeah. For his talent as well, I think it's you know that's a signing. Unless he wants to be, be jump ship early on, I think you know he could. He's a player we could have for 10, 15 years, and similar style to Henderson. You know, he's got, and I think could be absolutely worth the uh, hundred million, whether they whether they want for him. Um, and I'll speak right. Ings as well. well. Good friends with Trent and Hendo. I think it, um it will be a brilliant, brilliant signing. Yeah, my only worry there with Liverpool is if they'll they'll stump up the money for him. Because we know that the uh, the current Liverpool owners don't like to spend big money. They don't. Re- they haven't really got big money to spend at the moment. That's why we know they're looking for for other investors to come into the club. Um, so you, they'd be hoping that they get people in, you know, before the transfer window opens. Because if they miss that that ship, you know, there is there's no one else. I don't think out there like Bellingham at the moment that they're going to be able to get, you know, Enzo Fernandez went has gone to Chelsea and he looks uh, an incredible player for them. And, you know, there's not that many other young superstar midfielders out there. So you'd imagine they would have to change the, their transfer strategy completely. And you are right. They've, they've put everything into this. And, you know, I, I, I dread to think that, you know, the framework that goes into a deal like this and the amount of man, Hours that have gone in to try and convince Bellingham to pick Liverpool, um, but it seems like it's, it's, it's his favourite choice from what you see on his social medias and whatnot, and from when he talks, um, all, all the noise around it seems like that is his preferred option. So it's just like I say, whether Liverpool will, will pay it because Dortmund are not going to want to let him go on the cheap. Yeah, I mean, he, I saw him like the uh, he liked Trent's post when he posted after winning the winning the seven nil game against Man U. Um, mm. uh, but I think with Madrid is that I think they said Valverde can play sometimes out wide, and I think that if they do that, they can then afford to fit in Bellingham alongside that. I think City, you know, with Gundogan and Bernardo Silva potentially leaving as well, you know, he played as Haaland, he's fenced Foden, I believe. So I think City are definitely a team that are in the running. I don't think Man U are really. Um, yeah despite some people say stressing otherwise. Um, and I certainly hope that we do, because I think if, especially goes to Man City, it's another team that's sort of going to um, 
progress and develop and get better ahead of us. And I think that, you know, I think I only remember one summer where we've actually spent money. I know the, the year we got Van Dijk, you know, Alisson, that came from Coutinho, but there's ones that we bought Salah for 30 million and Fabinho within a year. But most summers, you look at the year we won the league, that summer we spent 3 million uh, on, no, 1.5 million even on Seth Vandenberg. Exactly. And Harvey Edit, who was, um, I think it was something like half a million or something, or even a million and a half, you know, mm-hmm. and even this summer we got Darwin Nunes for 85 million or 60, whatever it was, but we sold Mane for 30, 40. So I think that, you know, there's talk that they are going to invest this summer. Um, and so they're going to, there's talk they're going to give Liverpool, I think they said something like 200 million pounds, which I don't actually believe will be as much as 300 million, but you never know. But I think, you know, certainly we could, there's players we could sell um, to make up. Like you look at Kelleher, someone who would probably demand at least 25 million because of his performances he's done, certainly last year in, in the League Cup run, in the League Cup final, in the FA Cup run. I think he's earned the right to start and I think he will leave and I think we'll get something for him. Uh, I think obviously people like Cater, the Ox Mill, they're all going to leave, you know, on a on a free. Thiago, I think we should sell because he's 31, I think, at the moment. His contract ends next summer and I'm not paying a new contract for a guy who's injury prone as him. Um, he's always injured, which is a shame because he's a brilliant player. But you could you get you could, you could get at least 15, 20 million for him. Um, there's other players. I think Matip could be sold for maybe 10, 15 million. You know, look at other players. So I think we could get the funds somewhere. Um, you know, but I, I think if we are going to get him, either I think we're going to have to just hope that FSG are going to put money in there where their mouth is and actually spend money for once. But you know. Well, time will tell. Now, heading on, we're going to change leagues. Um, so move on to our, our other league today, which is going to be our Serie A chat. Uh, and Ryan, you want to talk about Juventus and Paul Pogba's uh, return. Yeah, uh, just before I quickly jump on to that as well, I've just seen uh, on uh, on social media that uh, Serie A announced the, the league is going to be following uh, La Liga in terms of having a four team super cup in uh out in Saudi Arabia, which oh, is kidding. Yeah, it's incredibly frustrating. I didn't like it when when La Liga done it because at the end of the day it's a, it's a Spanish competition between two two Spanish clubs. No one else is involved. You know, I don't know well I do understand what it's for. It's for money at the end of the day. Um but obviously, they would. They it used to be the Copa del Rey winner against the La, you know, La Liga winner, um, or first three seconds, and uh, now they've done it where it's where it's a four team competition, and you know, it's a semi final and a final, and it seems like Serie A is now doing the same thing, which is a bit frustrating. Um, but yeah, going on to on to Juventus and uh, the case of Paul Pogba this season. Obviously, there was a lot of noise. You know, we knew about it for a little while when we knew he wasn't staying at Manchester United anymore. They would be leaving on a free. It was always very likely he was going to go back to Juventus. Now, he picked up a knee injury in uh, in pre-season, um, you know, towards the end of July. He had a couple of choices to make. Um, he he opted for, for, for therapy instead of having surgery on his knee. Didn't work because a month later he had surgery. Um, so was out for a little while. And then towards the end of October, he then picked up a muscular injury, which 
meant he missed the World Cup as well. But came back towards the end of January, his first call-up back into the squad. Only a couple of days later, he had another muscle injury. That then kept him out for pretty much all of February. And on the 28th February, we saw him make his debut, well, his returning debut. And fast forward to March 9th, he's left out of the squad for, for disciplinary reasons, uh, reportedly turning up late to a team meeting. And uh, now, well, as of yesterday, March 12th, he's now injured again for another three weeks. So this kind of sums up the car crash of Juventus' season, really, that one of the likely most important players has just been unavailable for the whole season. Uh, personally, I think this is the end of Paul Pogba at the very sort of top level. It seems like he's just picking up injury after injury, something he was starting to do at Manchester United as well, coming towards the end of his time there. I don't know, you see this happen with certain players towards the, you know, the, the late stages of their careers and they never really get back to that that level. So, I mean, the only good thing for Juve is that they didn't pay a fee for him, but you would imagine he's on a very high wage there as well. So, yeah, disappointment all round really for, for Pogba this season and you wonder what his his future, um, you know, may lie on. In terms of what they did yesterday, they were at home to Sampdoria and what most people, including myself, thought was a straightforward result. Sampdoria statistically have the worst attacking record out of any team in the top five leagues in Europe. That tells you everything. Juve, they go 1-0 up after just 11 minutes. And then after 26 minutes, they go 2-0 up when you think, yeah, they're going to run away with this. But in the space of two minutes, Sampdoria scored not one, but two goals to take it level. You think, what the hell has just happened? They had a couple more chances as well. Uh, Juve, they, they got back into it though. Um, Adrian Rabio scored a very dubious goal in which it, it hit his hand or his, his arm. Shouldn't have counted, but it did count. And then they got a, they got a fourth in the 94th minute um, when Sampdoria pretty much gave up the game. So not, not an inspiring result by any means by Juve against the worst team, not only in the league, but probably out of the top five leagues at the moment. And um, it doesn't really make uh, too much of a difference to the table. They, um, they're they in seventh at the minute, but they're still uh, nine points off the top four. Um, I, I just don't think they'll, they'll make that, in my opinion. They're not in... Great form at the moment, and, and Vlaovic is not scoring goals like he was last season either, which will be a, a worry for them as well. Um, in terms of like the other teams, really, most of them would have taken solace from the fact that Inter on Friday night lost away to Spezia with uh, with Daniel Maldini, obviously the, the protégé of the famous Paolo Maldini of Milan. He got, he got a goal for Spezia. Obviously, he's on loan from AC Milan. Uh, against their great rivals now Inter, and yeah, it was a it was a huge win for for Spezia, and you know a massive loss for Inter. Lautaro Martinez missed another penalty. Christ knows why he keeps taking them this season. 
I believe that's his fourth or his fifth penalty that he's missed this season. Um, you know, into they got a an equaliser in the 83rd minute. Funny enough, for a penalty, but not through Lotaro de Martinez, but through Romeo uh, Lukaku. But it didn't last anyway because Spezia, they got a winner. Again, for a penalty, um, Enzola, who's having an incredible uh, season at the moment, you know, it reminds me a lot um, of a couple of, I think it was last season, or it might have been the season before that, where we had Simi, who was scoring for fun and uh, notched up, you know, an incredible amount of goals. I remember talking about him and... You know, it's a very similar case. We, you know, Mbappe and Zola, Spezia, we've got 12 goals this season. You know, he's the joint third top goal scorer in the league at the moment. So, you know, an incredible story there developing and he could very well score more this uh, this campaign. The uh, the league leaders, Napoli, they got another win. Of course they did. Cavara Castiglia um, scored one of the goals of the season. Absolutely amazing goal. You know, he's surrounded by about six or seven Atalanta defenders, you know, and uh, he, he jinks one way, cuts back the other way, does it again and smashes it in the top corner. You know, in the process, he's putting Atalanta defenders on their asses, And to do that shows, you know, you're, you're a special, special player, which we all knew anyway from what he's done this season. And, yeah, they're going to cruise on now to uh, to lift the Squadetto. More drop points for Atalanta, which I don't, you know, I said it last week. I think that they're pretty much out of the top four race unless they can quickly find some form. It needs to be very quickly. But then again, the other top four teams aren't doing it very well either because Lazio only laboured to a draw, nil nil away to Bologna. Uh, Roma will be in 4 3 in a seven goal thriller. At home to to Sassuolo, Sassuolo, you know they went two 0 up. Roma got one back. They then got a straight red card for Maris Kambula. I believe that was for a penalty as well because Berardi then made a free one just before the break. Paolo Dybala scored a wonderful goal as well as he always does. But uh, Andrea Piemonte got the fourth to to wrap up the game pretty much. Roman, they got a consolation goal in the 94th minute through Gini Wijnaldum, but didn't make a difference in the end. And Dybala is, an, is another player that I, that I want to just sort of touch on quite quickly because we know, you know, the reason why Juventus got rid of him. We, we knew he was linked to quite a few Italian clubs. It looked like at one stage he was going to go to Inter. They decided not to pursue that and to instead go for... Romeo Lukaku and Dybala we know his injury problems we know he's, he's got something special there but interestingly he has a release clause in his contract at the moment with Roma and I believe it to to foreign clubs it's as little as 12.5 million pounds or euros pretty much nothing for for, for a major European club so I do wonder if Roma miss out on Champions League football and maybe if Jose Mourinho doesn't stay there, we could see Dybala make a move, um, perhaps to Spain, um, possibly England, 
We know he's been linked with with Tottenham and Manchester United in the past. So that's definitely one to watch for in the summer because Mourinho was one of the major factors that, to convince him to move to Rome. Um, but there's more reports that he, Mourinho is not content there. And, you know, if they don't get Champions League football, he could well move on himself. So a lot could happen. But, uh, yeah, just uh, just another week of, uh, of Serie A action, really. Yeah, I mean, that goal from um, Cavara to Cavella, I apologise my pronunciation of his name there, but that, that goal was, was absolutely brilliant. And it's one of the best goals I've seen, certainly, of the last few months. Um, quick note, you mentioned Paul Pogba. just want to get a quick thought on this. Is he the most frustrating player you can think of in some time? Because, you know, you watch Paul Pogba for France and in his first time at Juventus, and that's one of the best players to watch on his day. I mean, that's player that I loved watching when he's at Juventus first time round, you know, and you saw it at Manu in spells, but certainly the France team that, you know, won the World Cup, he was one of the my favourite players to watch in that tournament. And, you know, he's gone back to Juventus, therefore thought would be the one that would get him back to being his best. But, you know, he really has just come back to, you know, the player we saw at Manu. It seems like that seems to, that's not going to leave him now, is the Manu form of Pogba we saw. It's just not a shame because a player that's so talented, you could argue maybe, despite having a World Cup on his on his on his uh, resume, um, you could argue maybe he's not really fulfilled his potential in terms of being seen as one of the greats of his era. Yeah, possibly. I mean, he's he still achieved a fair amount. Um, you know, World Cup winner with France, like I say, and of course he is. You know he is frustrating in 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 that sense because Juve they came so close to winning Champions Leagues back then and you know it didn't quite happen for him there it didn't happen at all for him at Manchester United it was a pretty much a, a car crash from start to finish um, and now he's back at Juve you do you you do wonder what might happen with him um, I mean. How how old is he? Uh, twenty nine. So he's he's still on, you know, the right side of thirty. But I don't know, I don't know. These injuries are 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 a cause for concern, as well as his his mental state really, and where where his mind's at, where it, where his ambition is at. You know, um, you know, he, he was in the news a lot last year for. You know, for these witchcraft claims and whatnot, and troubles, you know, that always seem to follow French players around more often than not. I don't know. He is incredibly frustrated, though, especially as what you mentioned, because in his first spell at Juventus, he was one of the best midfielders in the world, probably at one stage the best midfielder in the world. And you know, he's he's been incredible for France as well, but just not just not happened for him the last few years. And as as I mentioned earlier. I don't think it will, to be honest with you. Again, I think it'll it'll peter out, and we'll end up seeing him maybe um, out in Saudi Arabia or in the United States. Um, you know, for his for his last few years of his career. Yeah, I think LA Galaxy, LAFC. I can just see him in that LA Galaxy shirt. You know, I think America suits his kind of lifestyle as well. I think he would he would really take to the you know that kind of lifestyle, LA. Um, oh, Miami. Yeah, into Miami. I think somewhere with sunshine and beaches like California or Miami, I think we'll see him down to the ground. We've got two minutes out of our recording, but quickly before we go, 
I'm not sure if we're doing the European one this week, but quick uh, one word prediction from all four games going on this week. So, Ryan, first of all, Porto Inter, currently 1 0 Inter on aggregate. Who goes through? Why? And City Leipzig, currently 1 1, second leg at the Etihad. City. Uh, Napoli Frankfurt, currently 2 0 Napoli, they're at home. <laughs> yeah, Napoli. <laughs> And finally, Real Madrid, Liverpool, 5-2 in aggregate at the Bernabeu. Who's going to win that one? Oh, that's a hard one, that is. Uh, <laughs> I don't even need to give more answer, I don't think, for that. Real Madrid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, I think Inter progress in that game. I'd go for City, uh, Napoli. And if we, ha- if, I, if, we had, if we had this before the Bournemouth game, I would have told you Liverpool. I was really confident of us beating Madrid after seeing us beat Man U 7-0. But after that shit show against Bournemouth, uh, I do sadly think Madrid are also going to progress. Um, but that is the end of our podcast for this week. So thank you all for listening. And we will see you guys next time.